Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. This prison becomes a mission field of what kind of people? Lost people. It was a jail a moment ago. Now it's a mission field, and it's full of potential. You see, people at work, home, school, in our neighborhood, they're watching our lives. And when we experience hardships and difficulties, they're looking to see how you, that call yourself a believer, how you're going to react. Do you work in a church setting? If your answer is no, then you're working around people who don't know Jesus. They might be really nice folks who seem to have their lives together, but the most important issue in their lives is yet unresolved. Pastor Mark will be showing you through Scripture that everywhere you go is a potential mission field. You'll learn from the story of Paul and Silas being thrown in jail that circumstances don't have to dictate either your feelings or the ability of God to work. You'll be encouraged to not be afraid, trust God, and do what He tells you to do. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 16 as he continues his message, Displaying and Distributing the Fruit. See, unbelievers, and you remember maybe when you were, if you were older and then came to the Lord after a life of sin, you thought you were free to sin. No, you you weren't free to sin. You were driven to sin by Satan. He captured you. You're not free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. But Satan is the one who actually puts us into the slavery. So much so that he uses that false advertising. Sin is fun. He forgets the second part of it for a season. And then we learn that choose to sin, choose to suffer. You'll never hear that from Satan. Never. So understand, this girl, what is she going to do now that she meets these guys? Well, over the next few days, we don't know how many days it is. Look at verse 17. This girl followed Paul. And the rest of us, remember, Dr. Luke is writing this, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. If you want to know what you're supposed to be doing, you can just underline those words. She's 100% right. What should I be doing? Notice what she says. These men, just put your name, Mark is a servant of the Most High God, and Mark is telling you the way to be saved. That's what a disciple does. Now, the problem is, even though that's a perfect example of what a disciple of Jesus does, remember, found people, 
find people. That's what we're doing. We're telling people how to get saved, how to be found. The message was true, but the messenger wasn't related to the message. She's not in the kingdom of God. It's great deception. It's true, but she's not related to the message or to God. See, Satan is a great deceiver. These were Greeks who believed in many gods, but Paul had come to share about what God? One true God and salvation. Do you know what happens today with us? And don't take this political because it's in lots of places around the world. Cults like to mix Jesus and God in with their weird teachings. So you read that and pretty soon you go, whoa, they're, they're a believer. But very often when you see the Jesus, who they're talking about, is not the Jesus we know of the Bible. Far from it. So this is not new. This is way back then before there was that kind of politics and all the rest of the cults do this because Satan is a great master of what? Deception. Be careful. Verse 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Paul, I command you to come out of her. Don't try that. Don't ever put your name in there. The demon will come upon you, tear you up one side and down the other. Notice, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. He didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the demon. Now, some of you say, Pastor Mark, come on now. Like, we just got through Halloween. I get that. I mean, the scary movies are still on. I like to understand that. that. That's not real. It's more real than you pinching yourself right now. He didn't speak to the girl. The girl couldn't do anything. She could not free herself. She's possessed by a demon. Well, when Paul did this, what was the result? Look at the verse of 18. What was the result? At that moment, what? Why did the Spirit leave her? The name of Jesus. Paul let this go on for a number of days. He was troubled. That word trouble means he was pained. He was deeply grieved. He sees a young girl, you can imagine it, who's controlled not only by ungodly men, who knows what was happening with that, but controlled by this demon. So he's grieved. And over a number of days, we see a couple things of the fruit of godly character. What is the fruit of godly character? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Here's what we see. Love. He looked at her and he loved her because he could see that she was in need of help and couldn't help herself. And the second thing, it took him a number of days and, and he didn't lose it. Another fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we have trouble with this, self-control. He didn't lash at her. He didn't lose his temper. He loved her. And then in the right timing, he just came to her. So he spoke to the demon. It came out of her. So another fruit that you see there is the fruit of good works. Good works casting out demons in God's power. Ephesians 2.10 says, before we came into being, God already had good works for us. This is not an accident. And now understand, the whole city is watching this. As they're watching this, what did they discover? Paul's God 
is greater than this demon or this pagan god or whatever. Paul's God is greater. That's a great picture. So at the end result, what do we see? Next thing you want to write, this is the second person you want to write. A lost girl in bondage to Satan. She's lost. She's in bondage to Satan. Finds Jesus. She's not only saved, but first she's freed. And then she's saved. Now understand this because you'll... I don't have time to go in because it's not a teaching on spiritual warfare. But once you become a true believer of Jesus Christ, demons cannot inhabit you. I like to say it like this. The Holy Spirit doesn't rent rooms to demons. Amen? Now, he can be outside your door tormenting you like crazy, but you just tell him in the name of Jesus, get away from me. I don't have to listen to you. You're a liar. And we don't play with that. You don't play around with that, but you don't ever have to worry. Once the Holy Spirit's in you, forget it. Forget it. He's there to stay. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's say it again. Lost. Boy, terrible. All right. (laughs) This is like four words. (laughs) Found. Good. Good job. Now understand, what if Paul would have been passive? He would have gone down by the riverside and said, well, there's some ladies there. They're singing. There's no guys there. This isn't where we need to be. Let's move on. What if he comes to the girl and says, look, I'm on my way to church. I don't have time to talk with you. Just keeps going. See, we have to be intentional. When I left the house this morning, it was afternoon actually, and I said, God, just give me a divine appointment. And I was only gone 45 minutes. I had a divine appointment. God orchestrated it all. I'll tell you about it later. It's unbelievable. But see, you say, well, you're the pastor. No, it has nothing to do with it. You're a disciple. How did you get found? Somebody found you. Divine appointment. So after all this happens, look at the next verse, verse 19. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone. Now that's a freed person, freed forever, hallelujah. They seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now I don't have time, but the next verses we see that all of a sudden they're going to land in jail. But I want you to see not only they're going to land in jail, a dark, cold, rat-infested, inner cell, feet and stock jail, but beaten with rods. Pastor Mark, are you kidding me? They're doing good. Are they out of the will of God? No. Here's what you want to write. Satan hates the good news, and he will do whatever he can to stop it. See, we are in a spiritual battle. Don't forget that. Now, we're on the winning side. We have the power. What is the greatest way that Satan stops the gospel? Disciples not sharing the gospel. He doesn't have to go to this means. He just keeps us too busy, afraid, as we talked about, fearful, don't know how, and we just don't share. So they are... Put in the prison, beaten horribly. And uh, when you think about this, they are in the will of God. 
And you need to write this because sometimes people will say to you, when you're going through a hardship, well, you must be out of the will of God. That is not right. You will know if you're out of the will of God. That means there's going to be a sin happening. But I want you to write this next statement. I know you won't like to write it, but you have to write it. Being a disciple does include some hardships in life. I'm sorry, that's life. There's difficulties. There's trouble. These guys are smack in the center of the will of God. The question is, after they're beating and in this horrible prison, how in the world will they react? What's going on in their minds? God, where are you? Well, look at verse 25. About midnight, remember, cold, rat-infested, jail, feet and stocks, beaten with rods. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And I want you to underline the next words. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Whoa. I see two fruit coming there. The fruit of authentic praise, and the other fruit I see is the fruit of godly character, joy. Now think about this. If that's you, could you produce that fruit of joy? Could you? Would you be praising God? Praise God, this is wonderful. I don't think so. So where did that fruit come from? From God into me. You can't bear that fruit. Now, if you just win the lottery, you can bear that fruit. Praise God. (laughs) The problem is, a year from now, you'll probably be divorced. Disaster after disaster after disaster. But this, you and I can't work up. I don't care how hard you are. They're singing. They're praying to God. And notice what you underline. What was happening? The other prisoners, what are they doing? They're watching. They're listening. And there's one more thing they're doing. They're learning. You're going to see that. Paul and Silas are light in a dark prison and a powerful witness to those who are there. This is something you need to write. This prison becomes a mission field of what kind of people? Lost people. It was a jail a moment ago. Now it's a mission field. And it's full of potential. You see, people at work, home, school, in our neighborhood, they're watching our lives. And when we experience hardships and difficulties... They're looking to see how you, that call yourself a believer, how you're going to react. How will we react in the prisons of our lives? The pain of suffering, the prison of defeat, the prison of a loss of a job, the prison of persecution, the prison of divorce, the prison of discovering things, well, they're simply not going the way I planned. But the Bible tells us that we can praise God even in the difficult times of life because we know he is in control. Paul would later write, God is for us. He's not against us. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Paul would write that. That's not easily written. But he knew it. Well, as they're singing and praying, God answers prayer. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
All at once, the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. And the jailer, who would have been very close by, he woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He knew if this happened, these people are gone, he's dead. So I'm just going to kill myself now. I'm not going to go to the authorities. They know you failed. They're going to kill me. So he's with no hope, ready to kill himself. Here's what I want you to write. Seize the opportunity when God opens the door of no hope. Those doors will open often in people that you know, and very often with people that don't want to listen to you when you invite them to church, don't want to know about God, don't want to come to a concert. They're not interested. But when that divorce happens, when that death happens, when they have a brand new baby, when there's a miscarriage, when there's a loss of a job, when there's all kind of disaster, here's what's going to happen. They're going to be at your door. Seize the opportunity. They're without hope. See, people without God, they're not only lost, they have no hope. We have hope. Now, look at verse 28. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. I thought about that a lot. If you were in the prison and you just been beaten and God answers your prayer and the prison door goes wide open, the jailer's going to kill himself and there's nothing to keep you, how far away would you be in two minutes from that place? <laughs> Come on now, let's be honest. How far would you be? As fast as you can run. Am I right? I thought about that a lot. Why didn't Paul move an inch? He's being directed by the Holy Spirit. In the natural world, I'd be, be gone. Isn't it interesting, though, that the other prisoners didn't leave either? God orchestrated all of this. The fruit of what? Peace and self-control. Paul had to have a peace to sit there and watch that jailer come in and start talking to him. Well, the jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, why in the world did this pagan ask that question? Probably he'd heard about the story of Paul and Silas, because when they brought him, he probably said, well, why are these guys here? Why did you beat them so bad? They're not local. What, what are these guys? They say, well, they've been in town. Remember the gal that can do the, uh, the demon stuff? Like, yeah, well, they cast the demon out here. She's totally free. She's excited. She knows this person called Jesus. We don't know really what happened. So for sure he heard that. And then what's he see? An earthquake. An earthquake right at that time. Yet the prisoners are still in jail. And Paul hasn't moved. So as he's looking at those people... He's saying, I want what you have. Because he's empty. He has no hope. He has never found any satisfaction. And he looks at these guys and says, I don't know what that is, but I want that. So the next thing happens is God sends two found people to find him. And then God opens his heart and he sees the spiritual need. The only reason he could say, what must I do to be saved, is because God showed him that he needed to be saved. Write it down like this. See, you and I can't do that. It's the role of the Holy Spirit. Next statement up here. People must know they are lost in their sins before they can be saved. See, some people say you're saved from what? Because they don't know they're sinners. 
The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. We teach that through the word of God. They replied, Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Paul says the only thing you can do is you must believe. Believe is an active verb that produces ongoing relationship. It's a belief that trusts. It produces obedience. Now you say, that was it? He saved? That was it? No, that wasn't it. He's not a thief on the cross when he can't talk anymore. It's over with. Look what he does in verse 32. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. What did Paul begin doing? He began to tell them, okay, you're a brand new convert. You're a baby. Let's go in and explain it to the household that's here. Those that are old enough to make a decision for Christ, if they want to, they can do the same. Now, look, you're saved. It's just the beginning. The goal is for you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here's how that works. And boom, 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 boom. He begins to talk with them. And look what happens as he does this. And I want you to see this. At that hour of the night, the jailer took and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all the family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. You see, the fruit of the Spirit's already there in a brand new believer. Open heart, open home. He gets baptized in water and he washes the wounds of the men who had been beaten. Here's the third one that we talked about. A lost, pagan, hopeless man and his family find Jesus and are saved. Say it with me. Found people find people. You saw that all through. You saw the connections. You saw the fruit of the Spirit. All of that as they're simply doing life. As they're simply doing life. They're not struggling. They're not getting up in the morning and go, here's my checkoff list. We've got to have five fruit today and four connections. Let's see how we do. No, it's a lifestyle of being connected to Jesus. Don't make it something weird. It should be supernaturally natural. You and I shouldn't be surprised when we ask for an open door, when God does what? Opens the door. Because his heart is for the lost. And who does he use to find the lost? Found people. I gave you this because that's what the Lord wanted me to share with you. Put yourself in the story. I'm not an apostle, Paul. Who said you were? You're a disciple of Jesus. Disciples make other disciples. Disciples share the gospel. Converts start. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. During this unusual time in our world's history, we want to reassure you of your Creator's love for you. God is still on the throne and is fully in control of your life and of what's happening in the world around you. We also want to let you know that Calvary Chapel Melbourne is continuing to offer church every Saturday evening and Sunday morning, and you're invited to join us. Though we can't be physically present with one another, we do still want to connect with you. Join Pastor Mark this weekend on Facebook 
YouTube, Roku, and at calvaryccm.com forward slash live. Services will begin streaming at 6 p.m. on Saturday and 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sunday. You can find out more at our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. We look forward to worshiping with you virtually and hopefully soon in person. If you'd like to explore more teachings from Pastor Mark in this series right now, you'll also find them online, along with more information about the church and this ministry. Would you do us a favor? Would you be praying for Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne staff during this time? We appreciate you lifting us up to the Lord. Please pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ across the nation too. This is a great way to support one another when we can't be in each other's company. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Mark next time to continue studying through the powerful Word of God right here on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.